Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. Let me begin again in verse 1 through verse 12, but we're going to look primarily at verses 5 through 8. We might get in through verse 12. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with the burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower fails, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. We'll stop right there. Think about some of the things that we've learned. We're talking today about my response in trials. How do we respond in trials? And remember, James was the half-brother of Jesus, He is the oldest of the family of Joseph and Mary. And this, by the way, is the oldest book of the New Testament. This was the first New Testament book which was written. And I've been studying this, and I want to be pretty transparent that I'm studying this and trying to learn this because I want to be closer to the Lord. I want to do better when trials come. Because oftentimes I hear preachers and I've listened online and things and I think, that preacher has no problems. It sounds like he's got it made. He's got it down. Well, I'm with you. So if I say, you need to do this, I'm with you. I'm trying to do those things. This is not something that we have arrived and we're perfect, sinless, flawless, We are still growing in our Christian lives. We are growing and maturing. We are becoming what God wants us. And as long as we're here, He is still molding us and perfecting us. That is, maturing us. Bringing us along where we should be. Trials will come in life. When they do, 
How do we handle them? Trials are a very helpful purpose in affirming us to our faith. That's exactly what James has in mind here. This whole section. His concern throughout the entire epistle was that we would have a living faith. That our faith would be made manifest. That our faith would go forward. And and he is concerned with the subject of, of genuine salvation. That you really understand your salvation. And you're growing in your walk with the Lord. You're growing in your salvation. You're continuing in that walk. And so this whole epistle is a series of tests. And we talked about those. And it shows where we are in our faith. It shows the legitimacy of our faith. It shows how well we are doing. So when trials come into our life, they reveal that that faith is real because it either holds on or it does not. And we hang on to God and we count on His resources. And God, of course, and let me just say, He is holding on to us. He has us in His hand. But we are also wanting to do our part. We want to hold on. We want to stay close. We want to continue to strive and push forward and live for the Lord. And all of us need to understand the strength and the genuineness of our faith. We need not only to recognize it in our own lives, but in the lives of others so that we can be a tool and a help to sharpen one another. So that we might be an encouragement to others. So that we might be able to help build them up. Because trials cannot destroy faith. I want you to know that. I keep emphasizing that. Trials do not destroy faith. They put it to the test. They see what we're made of. And the faith that stands the test is proven to be genuine. And that faith that fails, maybe then that person needs to come back and look at and examine their lives and see what's gone on. What has happened here? Trials cannot destroy faith. They build it. They test it. So we have seen that trials have a lot of purposes. These are just some of the things, and I put them down on the notes, because as I was reviewing, I was amazed at some of the things which I've learned. And just in this short series. So I gave you, I think, about 12 of them right here that we've gone through. Some of the lessons that we've learned, because remember God, He sends trials to humble us. He sends trials to wean us from the world. He sends trials to help us concentrate on the eternal things. He sends trials to reveal to us what we really love. He sends trials to teach us the value of God's blessings. He sends trials to enable us to help others in their trials. He sends trials to develop us to a greater strength. He sends trials to develop greater usefulness in our own lives. And some trials are given to chasten us and to move us on in our maturity. And God sends trials to test the genuineness of our faith. And He sends trials to measure the strength of our faith. And some of those, those were just some of the things I think that we need to be reminded of. That trials come and they're for a purpose. God isn't just mad at you. He is molding you. He's doing something wonderful. And all along we've seen in the midst of the trial that that true faith is going to persevere. True faith will endure. True faith will hold on and move through a trial. So it perseveres to the end. And the question that James really draws us to is how does God do that? 
How is it that true faith endures any trial? In Luke chapter 8, and this was something I've been battling back and forth and searching out in my own... In Luke chapter 8, the Lord gives a parable of the sower and the seeds. And there were some seed that was cast on the ground and the birds came and ate. Some fell on rocky ground and it sprouted but there were no roots and others fell on good ground. And I wonder as we look at the various soils, there are some that they hear the word but they just dismiss it. And the scripture talks about that Satan comes and takes it and plucks it away. There are some that think, well, man, I want God's blessings. And maybe it's not with a true heart that they're looking for the Lord and Savior. And I don't know what their hearts might be. But sometimes trials show and show that that was not a saving faith. That they just were looking for something, but they were trying to get it for themselves rather than looking for a Savior that they needed. The Lord knows, and I'm so glad that God is the judge that I'm not, because I'm not here to say, oh, this one was saved, that one is not saved. That's not my job, that's not our job. Our job is to build up and to preach the Word. The goal of this church is to reach people and teach people. So sometimes... Those trials are going to expose those that fall away that maybe, maybe they just need some encouragement. Maybe they need to be built up. And we can think about others that maybe they were walking the walk and they seemed to fall away. What can our response be? Maybe they've been going through trials. True faith possesses an attitude of trust. Therefore, we can know that God is still in control even in the midst of severe trials. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, verse 2 says. Count it all joy when you fall into various, diverse, all kinds. That was what we looked at. All kinds of problems. How do we count it joy? It's sometimes difficult when you're right in the midst of it to say, I want to be joyful, but maybe we know that God is in control and we have the hope of heaven. But for the true believer, there's got to be that cultivated, joyous attitude. Because we cultivate it so that we can see God doing something in us. We can see all that the trials accomplish. Because of all the trials that God has brought... It is there to draw us nearer to the Lord. Hi, let me interrupt very quickly to let you know and update you with some information. You can contact us at schoolofministryresources.org, all runs together, or contact me personally at paul at landmarkstockton.com. We also have online services on Facebook at Landmark Stockton that all runs together. Or if you're interested in our church history sessions, you can look on YouTube under Landmark Stockton, two separate words in that place. We'd love to send you information and we're always so glad to hear from our listeners. So please feel free to contact us and we'll get right back to you. Thank you. Now back to our podcast. And secondly, we saw the second ingredient that we persevere, that we hold on. It's that understanding mind. Remember that in verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So it's the 
understanding of the mind. We know that these things are going to produce the endurance. We know that it's going to bring something about. That's the staying power, the persevering power. If you don't have any trials, you're not going to be strengthened to persevere, to continue on. So a joyous attitude and an understanding mind are necessary in our, in our lives as we persevere and show our faith. Also, we talked about a submissive will. Verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work. We talked about how having that submissive will, let patience just do what it will. Let God in using these trials. And if the endurance brings us to maturity, to that level of perfection, and that is not that we are sinless, but that we are mature, we are full grown, we have everything that we need. That's what he's talking about. Spiritual maturity. Let the trials do what God wants it to do. Let it humble you. Let it wean you from the world. Let it call us to an eternal hope. Let it reveal what you really love. And let it teach you the value of God's blessing. Let it enable you to help others. Let it develop strength in you so that you can be used in greater ways. Let it chasten you so that it purifies us. In other words, let God do what He is trying to do and don't fight against it. Because that's so easy. To have the right attitude and going into a trial, then you begin to see, hey, I can, I can see what God's doing. And now you can begin to be joyous in that trial. The right mind is knowing that God has a purpose and we've got to submit to that and know that He's going to bring us through. Now we begin to see trials in a little different sense. Well, that brings me to today's point. <laughs> Said all of that to just remind us and bring us up to verse 5. Verses 5 through 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let's stop right there. Because I believe that we need a believing heart. A believing heart. If we want to have the first three, these other two attitudes that we're going to talk about that we want to bring into our lives, a believing heart. What does he say? If any of you lack wisdom, when you're going through the trial, think about it in the context. Let's set the scene. If I say you're going through a trial and you're really going to do your best to keep a joyous attitude, an understanding mind, and a submissive will, but you're having difficulty grasping what's really happening. What does the Scripture tell us to do? Well, and you might be saying, well, you know, I want to have a right attitude. I want to have the right understanding. I want to have a submissive will, but I don't know quite how to get there. That's where verse 5 falls in. Let him ask of God. If you lack wisdom, if you know what to do, if you want to know how that I can grow through this, how I can endure, how I can mature, that's why James put this in this sense, and the Holy Spirit inspired it. If I'm struggling to keep my heart fixed on a cause for joy, I'm struggling to understand, I'm struggling to be allowing God's work, having a permissive heart, I need some help. So that's why he says I need wisdom. I need wisdom for the trial. I need to understand it. I need practical insight. 
I need to understand the issues of life. I need to know what's going on. And you'll not be able to maintain a joyous an, uh, attitude or an understanding heart, an understanding mind, that submissive will, unless we recognize our human frailties, but that God is working and using our frailties. And He's using who He made you because He made you exactly who you should be. But He's still molding us. He's still improving us. And if any of you lack wisdom, and wisdom is always at a premium, but especially when you're going through a trial, especially when you're going through it. If you want to understand, if you want to know how to be joyous, if you want to know how to endure these trials, it's going to demand wisdom. And your human reasoning will not give you all the answers. Wisdom to James. And let me just say to the Jewish reader and to the Jews of that time, understanding the will of God was always important in the Jewish mind. They wanted to know what God wanted them to do. And so that's why James was writing to them, this is how you know, because you're going to trust God. Wisdom was functioning in obedience to the will and the Word of God. That's true in our life, that wisdom is going to help us to function in obedience to the will of God and the Word of God. It began, remember, with fearing God. And then it moves to obeying God. And when you go through a test and we go through a trial, we need wisdom. And all of us are going to feel weak at that time. We're going to feel like, I just, I need strength, I need help, I need resources. And he's going to look for something to hold on to in the midst of the trial. So where does it go? Where do we go? Do we go to God and ask for wisdom? Well, that's the promise. That's what we're told to do. If we lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So the search for wisdom is man's supreme, ultimate search, isn't it? Just last Wednesday, we went through Proverbs in our Bible survey. And if you remember, we used Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. What a great statement that is. How... How deep. When you're going through a trial, when you know you're going through a difficulty, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And in all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. He's going to direct you. He's the one. Be not wise in your own eyes, goes on to say. Don't look to yourself. Look to God for God's answer. Look for God's divine wisdom. Because we can say trials have a way of really enhancing our prayer life. They drive you to your knees. They cause you to call on God for what you do not have. And so we, we come to a place where really desperately, we desperately desire, we want to know, we're going through this and I need your help, Lord. I need you there. And so what does it do? It brings our attention back to God. It drives us to our knees. And it might be that it's the intention of God that we recognize that we are bankrupt in our human reasoning. And we need reasoning from above. We need God's wisdom. We need to recognize that I, I don't have any hope in myself. We talked a little bit about Job. And Job was looking to God because it didn't seem like he was getting any answers. He was asking of God. And so what happens? 
Satan sends some friends. <laughs> Satan in his, and that's just her theology, my ideas. I think Satan brought those companions along to feed him all kinds of ideas to make him doubt. And Job needed answers from God. He needed God's wisdom because they tried to give him every kind of wrong answer. And the right answer is always available at the hand of God if we seek Him to receive that. So when you go through a trial, the place to go is God. If you don't get anything else from this message, remember that. When you go through a trial, the place to go is to God. We don't run off to friends and family. Now if we get godly counsel, great. We don't run off to, you know, immediately, I'm going to go get help here, I'm going to get help there. Let's first be driven to the Lord. We don't want to get answers the same way that Job got those answers because all that did was cause him more heartache. And there's a much more important than just signing up for some appointment at counseling. And I'm not saying that's bad, but we want to consult the mind of God first and foremost. And I believe the promise of God in this is, is one of the greatest promises in all of Scripture. It's the single greatest promise that the believer has of living in this world. That is, if you need wisdom, God gives it. He promises that I'm going to be right there and I'm going to give you that wisdom even if you don't handle it quite correctly. And, and what more could we want than divine wisdom? What more could we want than to respond properly in every trial of life, in every area that God gives wisdom so that we know what we're talking about. We're not talking about just philosophical speculations. We're talking about doing the right thing. We're talking about understanding what's happening in the mind of God. Understanding why God is bringing something into your life because of His love. We're talking about what James discusses a little bit over in chapter 3 and verse 17. That wisdom that is from above is pure and peaceable. So that wisdom, that's going to help us have our right conduct in our life. It's going to help us... That we know what we're talking about because the right kind of wisdom that comes from God, somewhere along the line we need to know we've got to get back to that. We look at all the other things and I, I've been guilty. I look at all the other and I'm going through a trial and I'm going through problems. And the place to go is to God. So where is our first response when trials come? Where do we run? So if you're asking for the right thing to do, the place is to get on our knees and ask God true wisdom. Because to find in Him the only source of true wisdom is the path of the right response. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.